0: Welcome to Secrets to Selling Your Business, the podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners looking to unlock the secrets behind successful business transitions. Join our host, Jacob Koenig, a partner at Woodbridge International, as he gives you the knowledge to navigate complexities, embrace strategic shifts, and prepare you to sell your business with no regrets. At Woodbridge, we know how to give you the wisdom to achieve your ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Jacob Koenig.
1: Right, welcome to the show. Excited for our guest today. Rich Wu is the founder of Catalyst Planning Partners, as well as an author and podcast host. Rich, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Jake, it's, um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Excited to spend some time with you.
1: Excellent. Um, so Rich, why don't you start off and, and give us a little bit of uh, of background here? your your wealth advisory firm, catalyst planning partners. You focus on helping uh, business owners, executives save time and money on on taxes and getting them uh, focused on their meeting their goals. Could you elaborate a little bit on on the background, on how this company came to be, and, and some of the key strategies you employ to achieve these goals for your clients?
0: Yeah, no, thanks for asking. So um, I grew up in Chicago pretty much my whole life. Uh, parents were immigrants, and they landed there, so that's kind of how we... Uh, ended up there. Uh, I went to university, studied finance, computer science, and out of college, I worked in corporate finance for a couple of years. So I I didn't really know much about personal finance. I knew I had a 401k and that I needed to save some money, but that was the extent of it. And so most of my financial experience is in the corporate space. And then when I was 27, 28, I got into the financial advisory and financial planning arena. Part of that was driven by a desire to work with not just numbers, but people. But the other part of that was um, when I was in high school, unfortunately, uh, and I shared this with you before. Uh, my my mom passed away in an accident. Uh, my mom, my dad, and my brother went on a, a whitewater rafting trip in Wisconsin uh, when I was 15, and in a, a freak accident, she ended up drowning. And that obviously was a very, very difficult experience, but one that taught me about the importance of planning and uh, how critical that is to, to a family, and what happens when you don't have. Good planning. And I think that stayed with me. And when I was 28 and making the transition into this new world, it gave me a sense of purpose and mission uh, beyond just doing a job or trying to make some money and uh, a desire to really help people with uh, something that was very critical and important to the end of their lives. So I kind of carried on as an individual advisor, built my own team, And about seven, eight years ago, one of my friends who's a fellow advisor, uh, we had been talking for a while and we decided, hey, you know, uh, two plus two could equal six, which is not good math, but it is in the business world. And we uh, brought our practices together to form what's now Catalyst Planning Partners. And so it's been an amazing journey. We've built uh, kind of our business with some incredible clients. Because we ourselves are kind of entrepreneurial and um, have that background. We love working with executives, entrepreneurs, people who are business owners, because we get that mindset because we ourselves are business owners. Right. So that was how it all started. And that's kind of where we landed today.
1: I really love the, you know, bringing it back to the passion, bringing it back to the those those things that are really important. That's right. Right. And, And the podcast being the Power of Connections podcast, I know that relationships and in your book in as well also uh, a similar theme the relationship recession um addressing some of the dissatisfaction in relationships among uh, Americans and I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how all of these factor into to your um, your role as as a financial advisor but also in in general as in your other um, areas of life as well
0: you know it's interesting I think of a quote from like Steve Jobs and I'm going to butcher it but it's something to the extent of like when you look at you know, the the dots of your lives going forward, it's like they're all disparate and they're not connected. But whenever you look backwards, you can see where the dots connect. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of these projects, like my business, um, you know, the book that I wrote, and you mentioned uh, the relationship recession, and uh, the podcast that I host, uh, the power of connections, all of these were just personal, just passions of mine, you know, the work obviously makes sense. But like, the podcast, I've always just loved building relationships with people and like hearing about people's stories. And And uh, the book was just something that was personal to me uh, about the book was really kind of focused on Harvard's, the longest longitudinal study on uh, relationships and happiness was done by Harvard back in 1938. Mm -hmm. And it talked about how at the end of people's lives, you know, the one factor that they found that contributed the most to people's happiness was not their money or success or achievement those relationships and the degree to which they found meaning in them. Mm. And so I said, but yet in America, more than 50% of people are dissatisfied with the level of their relationships. 20% of men do not have a single friend that they can confide in. And so we know how important relationships are. We see that there's a huge gap. And so I said, why is that? And I think in a post high school and post college world, uh, people are very disconnected. It's not easy to meet people you know, after high school and college, you don't have the environment. And I think also a lot of people aren't as open. They either have their own friend groups or it's like, I'm kind of doing my my own thing, like kind of leave me alone. And so you get a lot of people who are stuck in a rut, in a recession, in their relationships. And so the book is really about how do you redevelop that openness and intentionality and mindset in relationships? How do you then develop relationships practically? Like, what do I actually do? And then what, how do you deepen those relationships? You already have a lot of friends, great. How do you grow deeper with them? And I think a lot of that is drawn from just my personal experiences mm-hmm. with great relationships and failed ones. And also just the work that I do. I meet so many people and yeah. who have so much success. And yet, you know, when you ask them about the meaning that they find in their relationships outside of their marriages, you know, people are like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have time. I don't have a lot of friendships. And you're just thinking, business wow, centers, you know, being so busy. Yeah, how is that possible? And so I think some of the the book came from just my experiences that I've met through my clients and realizing like, you can have, you know, all the money in the world, but if you don't have rich, meaningful relationships, like what do you, what do you have, right. you know? Right.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And, and, you know, it's something a lot of our clients, uh, representing, uh, business owners looking to, to sell their businesses. They want to spend more time with their families. They want to spend more time with their loved ones. And that's, that's yeah. a major motivation. I know that that you cater a lot to, uh, to entrepreneurs and business owners. So I'm, I'm curious to hear a bit more about those relationships and and some of those, Stories. If you have any interesting anecdotes, anything to give uh, some insight to our listeners around, you know, either pitfalls or, or things that uh, that have worked well in exits of uh, of companies for for clients of yours.
0: You know, I think of a story of a, a young executive at a financial firm was, I think, uh, seriously dating, uh, not married yet, didn't have kids, but was forward thinking, and at twenty eight, you know, was making. million a year, probably had about $15 million of net worth. And, you know, we sat down to have a financial conversation. And I just started off by asking, like, what do you really want, like at the end of your life? And his response to me at 28 was, my number is 30. I want to be at 30 million. And I feel like that's where I want to be. And I said, okay, so what's significant about 30? He said, I don't know, just think I need 50 or $100 million. So $30 million sounded like a good number. And I said, huh, okay, but what does like $30 million do for you? And he said, I don't know, like, I think it just makes me feel good. Hmm. And so as we got deeper into the conversation, I said, but, but like, what do you want to have happen in your life? And so he started talking about relationships, right? He said, hey, I want to get married. One day, I want to have kids, I want to make sure that my kids feel provided for that we have a nice home that we can go on vacations that the kids college would be paid for that at some point, that I'd have financial independence and I wouldn't need to keep working for an income, but that I know to have enough money and it wouldn't run out. Hmm. I said, there it is. Okay. That's what you want. It's not $30 million because that could be attained might be more might be 50 million. It could be less. Hmm. And so, you know, as we got further and further, I think what he started realizing and what I think um, I realized in that and many other conversations before was, people at the end of the day need money as a means to doing things right. and to achieving things for them and their families right and until you get clarity on what it is that you actually want out of life and more particularly in, in your key relationships mm-hmm. then the money thing is always going to be very nebulous mm-hmm. right it's just going to be like exactly. some sort of like benchmark number 50 100 million 10 million and so I think the aha moment for him and for a lot of our clients is like okay I need to actually get clarity on what do I want out of my life and all the money is kind of then you know reverse engineered into so that I can accomplish those things that I actually want right yeah, No
1: it's it's great that uh, that you were able to have that conversation really delve deep into into the why and that That's the right how right? Because right. something we see all the time is, is entrepreneurs, business owners who come in with a number in their mind and, and they won't accept uh, anything else. Uh, that's that's all they're focused on. And, and frankly, delving deep into what it is that, that you want in your life and having those conversations ahead of the process rather than scrambling to figure it out during the middle or when things get hairy. That's right. Um, that's going to really keep everything moving in a good direction because the process of selling your business can be a, an emotional roller coaster that's um, right, and so having that discussion having those relationships and leaning on them you know that's that's a key way to uh, to make it to make it through to the other side and, and accomplish your goals
0: that's right i I also think it' lends itself to this idea of like sometimes you have to also slow down to speed up i think especially most entrepreneurs and executives are always in pressure situations, they have to make decisions very quickly. And very few times are there times to just sit down and reflect. Very few places are there um, opportunities to just be heard about the things that you're concerned about, about the visions that you have, you know, vision and dreams that you have for your life. So I feel like it's very important to get into spaces where you can just articulate the things that are on your mind, your concerns and your hopes and your dreams and getting a space for that. I think that's where a lot of where a lot of it starts. Yeah, exactly.
1: And so, you know, having those thoughts and and conversations ahead of time, absolutely crucial. And then afterwards, you know, being able to to then have someone like yourself to go to, to to talk about what are the goals, how do we accomplish them with this new liquidity event after the fact, Uh, you know, how did the Conversations that you've had in previous exits, or even in discussions beforehand, uh, looking forward to after the sale. You know, do you have any anything that our listeners could uh, could benefit from around those types of thought processes?
0: Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. One, I think the the conversation to get clear on what you want is a very very important one. I think there's a temptation to jump into the strategies, like what should I be investing in, and you know, what, what are the new strategies to minimize taxes? All of those things are very important. But I think the order in which they're dealt with is even more important. And so first having the conversation around getting clear on what you want out of life. I'm not talking about out of your money, but just out of life is important to have. I think that ideally is actually done before the liquidity event, because I think once the liquidity event comes, There's a lot more people that, you know, want a piece of that liquidity event. There's a lot more thoughts and ideas and, you know, people are emotional, Mm -hmm. right? When, when you're like, wow, I've got all this money in the bank and like things that I never thought were possible, um, could happen. Oh, wow. I got this like opportunity to buy another place in like Switzerland. I got a yacht opportunity, right? Like you can get very confused very quickly, and um, confused, usually confused people don't end up in really good outcomes. So I think the sooner that you can get clarity before the liquidity event, I think that's number one. I think number two is recognizing that building habits start early, right? Mm-hmm. How many times have we met people who, you know, before the liquidity event, had you you know, asked them, they would have said, hey, you know, I want to start putting money away and uh, for my kids, for the house, for these very important assets and things. But after it comes because you're inundated with all these offers and shiny things yeah. that the opportunity to build a habit, like never comes. I mean, in the, in the most simple sense, think about someone who's like, like in law school or, um, you know, who's a doctor and these folks uh, have enormous amounts of debt right. two, three, four hundred thousand $400,000 of debt. And, uh, they're in the habit of paying off that student loan. But if they don't have a plan for how that money is going to be used after, how quickly is it oh i don't have a four or five thousand dollar a month debt payment i'm gonna buy a maserati now without thinking wait a second you had 10 years where you should have been saving extra money you're behind
1: Mm. maybe that
0: money needs to be put away and look i'm not saying that you can't buy a maserati or you can't buy a car i'm just saying like that inflection point is really important because like you have this inbuilt habit but you didn't have a plan for when that habit ceased to build a new habit Well, guess what you just missed out you were so used to saving this money you missed out on an opportunity to build that into a new great habit exactly so i think clarity is important but i think equally as important is like planning ahead of time what habits you're going to set up so that you know you don't let the emotions kind of take you away
1: yeah yeah having that you know not only the the practice of it but the the planning of uh ahead of time allows you to avoid the pitfalls of what otherwise might be an instinctual move, you know, something that seems right in the moment, but that, that ends up being a regret. Right. So that's right. Yeah.
0: Another thing that I would say too, is, you know, getting the team ahead of time. Yeah. So whether it's a, you know, a wealth advisor, financial planner, a CPA, estate planning attorney, a lot of times this stuff is done on a piecemeal basis and it doesn't really work that well because, you know, you're like pressed, you've got all this money now, oh my gosh, You're like if I pass away, what happens to my estate? You're scrambling to find an estate planning attorney, you know, okay, well, I'm really busy. I've got all this money, I need something. And so like the first person that comes into your lap, you're just like, okay, I'm gonna work with them. So the degree to which you can plan ahead of time, if you know the liquidity event is coming and assemble the team in advance thoughtfully, coherently, I think that's very important. Uh, Otherwise you end up just being very reactive and maybe not assembling the best team.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a common refrain here, right? It's having all of your ducks in a row going Mm -hmm. into this process, because again, it is such a difficult and emotional process to go through the sale of a business. That's right. uh, Having the right advisors in place across the board, Um, you know, the financial advisory side for, for what to do with the liquidity afterwards and, and the accountants, lawyers, uh, brokers, you know, the whole slate. Um, it really is the key to success here. Um, the people who go in and, and think they can just do it all on their own. They're, entrepreneurs are prone, I think, to think that way. Yeah. But it's it's going to be, you know, you might have done everything else on your own up to this point, but selling a business is a, is a different beast. And once you get through that to the other side, you know, having the right people there for the, the life afterwards. That's right. Uh, I well. also
0: think about like thinking about what life's going to be like afterwards is very important because whether you're retiring and entering a new phase of life or having a liquidity event at 35 and entering a new phase of life. I've met a lot of folks, like a good friend of mine, you know, retired at 38 and he was like, Oh yeah, my plan's going to be golf. (laughs) And so he golfed for a year. He loves golf, got absolutely sick of it. And then was like, okay, what do I do now? Like, you know, I don't need to work anymore what do I do? And there was like a period of time for about six to 12 months. He was kind of like a little depressed. Mm. was like, I don't, what's my purpose? Like, I feel like I've reached the end. I don't know what to do. And I don't want to golf anymore. And so instead of just kind of reactively and unintentionally falling into that spot, thinking like, how am I going to spend my time? Like philanthropically, do I want to maybe do a business in a field or in some light of work that I want to be doing it? Not because I need the money, but because I enjoy it. Um, I think having that planned out will save a lot of heartache and a lot of wasted time. I think that's an important well, idea. Avoid getting the cold
1: feet that we often do see with with owners who are are getting close to the finish line and suddenly they're asking for an extra million dollars. And like, what's really driving that is not so much that they need another million dollars suddenly, it's it's that they don't know what they want to do next, right? That's if, right. If they are, are feeling that lack of purpose, that lack of, of mission, right? And that's right.
0: And so for many of us, too, I think that it's we've a lot of time we've done what we've done because we had to right? like I need to run this business because it's what's paying my bills. And um, but when you get to a place where you're like, wow, I don't need to be doing it anymore. It's a very strange place for a lot of people. Right. It's like, well, wait, I don't need the money anymore. What am I supposed to do with my life? You know, so. I think thinking about that in advance, talking to other folks who've experienced the same thing, really exploring, even getting a coach or exploring, hey, like, what what am I good at? What's my contribution to this world? What's my purpose? Thinking through some of those things, I think um, can be daunting, but I think it's really healthy and it'll be helpful for that transition. Absolutely, you
1: know, I think that's a really good point. And and
0: that actually concludes what I had prepared for
1: us to discuss. I think that's a really great way to, uh, to, to put it on on there, but is there anything else that you wanted to share with our audience? Any other thoughts or, or parting words of wisdom otherwise?
0: Yeah, I just think at the end of the day, um, you know whether you own a business or you know whether um, you know you're close to liquidity or still working in the business, mm-hmm. for me, I'm realizing more and more as I get older that again, building something great, making money, these are all great things. But at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff that will stay with us in this lifetime at the end of our lives are the relationships. Yeah. And so more than just thinking about the bottom line, again, all these things are important, the bottom line number and the, the success of the business, valuing meaningful relationships and putting emphasis on that, not just at the end, but even through the journey. Um, mm. That's something that uh, money could never buy. And so uh, recognizing that early and throughout the process is a, is a very important thing.
1: Absolutely those relationships and, uh, and realizing it through the journey as well. That's, uh, that's a great way to, to leave this off. So Rich Wu, Catalyst Planning Partners, thank you so much for joining us today. Jake, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Secrets to Selling Your Business, the podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners looking to unlock the secrets behind successful business transitions. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's guests and their insights. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to
1: podcasts.